The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Did you know that according to fftoday.com, we had a three-way tie for first place at kicker. Daniel Carlson, Young Wei Koo, and Jason Sanders. Today's guests will be breaking down this phenomenon for you. So we welcome you to Fantasy Football Today. Adam Azer, Dave Richard, and Jamie Eisenberg joined by the all-in kid Jake Seeley from The Athletic. Good morning, Jake. What's up? Is it all-in kid or all-in kicker? All in kicker. Oh I can't. I, I knew exactly. Where, as soon as you said three way time, like I, I know where he's going with this nonsense. <laughs> I, I'm this? still happy to join this show, even though that you brought that off off the top. Yeah, Jake doesn't like kickers. He's all about the band kicker. Uh, I actually did not know. I have never even seen that stat. Three way. That's actually pretty impressive. Carlson, Koo, oh. and Sanders tied for first. Yeah, and then you mentioned the fact that like two of them, nobody even knew who they were. Like five weeks into the season, I still don't know who they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, by Koo, by the way, only played in 15 games. So per game, he's your number one kicker in fantasy. Dave and Jamie, what's up, guys? How we doing? 10.7 fantasy points per game for Young Way Koo last year. That's pretty good. It's pretty cool. I'm like Justin Tucker, baby. I'm great. Let's go. All right. Yes. And today on the show, we're, we're going to talk about fantasy philosophies. Uh, how are your philosophies or strategies, whatever you want to call them? Philosophies is kind of alliteration, sort of. So... Um, we'll talk about how your strategies change in a 17 game season, tight end talk, how bullish are you going to be on the rookie wide receivers? We're really excited for this class and a few other questions for Jake and for the guys and phrases that people screw up yesterday or last night when I was recording FFT and five, I said, switch the flip instead of flip the squit switch. Jamie got on me on that uh, pretty quickly. It was, a, it was a verbal typo. I knew this, the phrase, but I asked people, what are some phrases that people commonly screw up? And we have some good ones for you. We'll share them. Uh, all right, Jake. So first philosophy question, 17-game season. Oh, by the way, follow Jake on Twitter at AllInKid. He's a senior writer for The Athletic and does great work over there as well. Does does anything change for you with a 17-game season for the first time ever? For the first time? I don't think it really does. The only thing that I probably think of in the back of my head is maybe even a little bit more lean to running backs in your draft, to even stash, whether it's, early bell cow, whether it's grabbing some options in the middle or whatever, because all I just keep looking at is year after year after year, who we're chasing in weeks 12, 13, 14, the Gaskins of the world, trying to figure out who the next Dolphins running back was going to be last year and all that type of stuff. Just again, the reminder of how much change there is. And some people argue and say that's a proponent for not drafting running backs and chasing the waiver wire. But with so many people doing it, I think that the attrition alone of what's probably going to happen in positions, you're going to suffer probably another injury or two. I'm just going to make sure I have the running back depth. That's really all it is. I'm not going to really change my draft strategy, my in-season strategy outside of just making sure I'm prepared running back wise. So I'm not trying to be the last guy getting, you know, whoever might be that's filling in on week 16 and for my championship or week 17 now for your championship. And it dovetails nicely into the depth at wide receiver and quarterback for this year. Wide receiver is going to be super deep this year, especially when you consider the rookie class quarterbacks have been deep for a long time. I, I, I think that going after running backs early is still the way to go. I thought about like, does it, does a 17 game season, does it make, does it make the elite tier quarterbacks a little bit more valuable? Because those are guys that tend to not get hurt. Dak Prescott, you know, divert your eyes from him, forget about him. <laughs> but th- does, does 
get a quarterback who, in theory, can get you. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> we're having a little bit of trouble. It's not just me, right? No, <laughs> Dave, we're, having, we're having a little bit of trouble with your connection. You're glitchy, buddy. You're glitchy. Yeah. <laughs> what do you expect? It's been this way for a damn year. <laughs> no, it really hasn't. You've been pretty good for a year. <laughs> so what do you? What do I need to do? Do I need to? Uh, level court. You need a level switch internet, the flip man. on this. Switch the, switch the flip on my. Uh... Switch the flip. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So Dave is making the point about elite elite level quarterbacks. You want to finish that point? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. I think it's a good point, though. Well, which part of it? The part we heard. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> the part we heard. Yeah. That it does. It does kind of push up that top tier a little Ooh. bit if you want to go after it. Uh. Well, you talked about attrition at running back, so that I guess that yeah. My follow up to the seventeen game season thing, Jamie. I'll throw it to you. You more worried about injuries at the position? More pounding that they have to take? Could that scare people off of running back and say, well, then they're more likely to get hurt now? I mean, it, obviously there's more risk of those guys getting injured because they get injured to the 16 game season already. So, you know, I mean, you just give them an additional game and, you know, additional carries, you know, guys like Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb and those guys that are going to, you know, probably be close to leading the league in, in carries, um, you know, doing different things than, you know, or not doing different things, you know, not, not the pass catching backs that'll take a little pressure off of them because of the direct hits that they'll take. So, you know, I think to, to kind of piggyback on what Jake was saying is, you know, and I, I mentioned this on the, F15 and five, it, it may lend, lend itself to taking a few more handcuffs, you know, uh, not necessarily your own handcuffs, but somebody else's handcuffs, but just taking some of these guys and just being patient with them that knowing that it may not take until week eight, week nine, week 10, if you're able to carry those guys, like Jake was saying, you know, you don't want to be chasing some of these guys in week 15, 16, 17, if you're able to pick them up or potentially draft them, knowing that there's a chance down the road that there could be an opportunity to have one of these guys on your team. Okay. Well, you well, skipped ahead to my last question, but now I'll make it my second question. <laughs> Do you like to handcuff your running back or a running back that is not on your fantasy team? Dave, you uh, you good? I hope I'm good. All right, why don't, you, okay. why don't you kick it off? Do you prefer handcuffing your running back, a running back that's not on your fantasy team, or maybe both, or neither? It depends on who the handcuff is. If I'm spending my first-round pick on Dalvin Cook, I am going to be interested in getting Alexander Madison, just in case. If I'm drafting Saquon Barkley, I don't really want anything to do with Devontae Booker unless unless it's a deeper league. There are going to be some, I don't even know if we can call them backup running backs, but like 1B running backs. I think the kind of running backs that Jamie was just talking about that I would be interested in getting past the midway point in my draft if they're there. Kenyon Drake, James Conner are going to be two of them where the value I would think would be good if they were put in a position to get a lot of work. But like Jamie said, you've got to be patient with them. It's situational when it comes to handcuffing your running backs. I don't think it's something that you have to do. Um, and, and I would have told you last year, you don't have to bother doing it with Christian McCaffrey because you're not going to get a running back who's as good as Christian McCaffrey if McCaffrey were to go down. And it turned out that Mike Davis was pretty darn good for the first half of his time as the as a starter for Carolina. So it really just depends on how deep your league is how engaged you are in making waiver moves and trades. And if you don't want to be bothered, then probably the safest thing to do is to get at least one handcuff. Yeah, Jake, more likely to handcuff your running back or one that's not on your fantasy team? Uh, neither, just because I'm going for depth. Uh, I, I don't really care when I'm drafting whether or not I own the player or somebody else does. Uh, I just look for kind of what the second point that Dave was touching on is I'm not getting backups on my bench like Rex Burkhead. Like, okay, even if another injury happens, oh, what is he going to get me seven instead of five points per game? And who knows when those points will happen? Like, you could go down with the Frank Gores and the Adrian Petersons and all these backups that even if they step forward, you might get one good game out of four or five. So I want guys who potentially step into that lead role, which that's kind of what we're talking about with handcuffs is people who have that opportunity. But that's all it is for me. If it's somebody else's, cool. If it's mine, that's fine. But I'm not going to reach for my own because sometimes if you look at it too, is to go to the Cook-Madison comparison. There's no guarantee, as Dave said, that you know, Madison's going to come anything close. And even if he does, it's still a net one running back. If you get somebody else's and they go down, you get two. Well, that's right. So, 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 so then hypothetical, hypothetical, let's say you drafted Dalvin Cook and your turn is up and you're deciding between Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard. Who are you going to take? You know, for situational, I'll probably go Pollard. And it's because if I valued both of this, if Zeke and Cook both went down, I'd rather have Pollard. And that's how I would look at it. Okay. 
you want to maximize your your value. So it's you know it's not like they're both going to get hurt, Cook and Zeke in week eight, and then you're picking between Madison and Pollard. The hope is, and obviously this is the hope for you as the Pollard manager, is that if Zeke suffers an injury, it's week three or week four. And so now you have Pollard for an extended length of time while still having Cook. Okay, but how about you, Jamie? So but same that question. that can work in reverse, though, too, can't it? Yeah, of course. 100%. But so, again, you're trying to maximize your team's value. So yeah, like but, Jake said, you're only getting the Vikings running back if, if Cook goes down. You could be getting the Vikings running back and the Cowboys running back if Zeke gets hurt. All right. Right, but you could have no running back if you get you could have no Pollard and Zeke playing, is the MVP and Dalvin Cook goes down in week I think two. You know my answer to that. I'm, I know I'm always going to try and swing for the fences as opposed to get a bunt. It's not a bunt. I, 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 yeah. I don't like that. You know what I mean? I'm going. I'm going extremes. You know, you, you rather, you'd rather have the situation of I want to maximize my team's potential the, the most way possible, the, the best way possible. And so you got to believe in that, the back. I'm trying to get two starting running backs on my roster as opposed to one. Yeah. You just have to believe that the, the running back will be 75% of the starter. And if you believe that, then you should prioritize it. Yes, I would take Madison over Pollard in the situation you put out there, Adam. If you had Cook, you would take Madison. Yeah, I would take yeah. him over Pollard. Yeah, I'm taking Pollard 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah so I think we're split here because I would take Madison too. So Dave and I, maybe Dave and I are old school. By the way, Jamie, I would, if you were, if you were bunting, I would throw up and in on you like so fast. You what? I'd throw up and in. I'd brush you back if you were bunting. Probably so. Throw yeah. up and in. Yep. You would throw a fifteen mile an hour <laughs> ball over. His no, I would get Schrager to do it. I'd get the I, th- I think you needed the. You got to make sure you say up and in. I was like, throw up on him. Like, I said, I said up. I did. Oh, see, that's a I phrase. I mean, given the things you've done with me in the past, that wouldn't be surprising. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk tight end strategy here. Because I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like a few years ago we had you on, you're talking about how you're not one to reach for tight ends. Is that true, Jake? Right. Still that, that way? That is true. Still that way? It, it is still that way. And it's the same thing I said then and I'll say today. I'm not going to call anybody crazy to do it. If you want to take Kelsey at the end of the first round, I'm not saying you're stupid to do it. Uh, you know, you can draft however you want. The reason I just never have done it, and I still will never do it, is because Kelsey has to have last season or two years ago, even if he has, which was a great season, the season in between where it was 1,200 some odd yards and five touchdowns, it was like late second round value, which Again, it's not a bad thing. And people will say, well, you locked in that advantage at the position. It's just, you. Uh, for me, it's we're talking about running backs, talking about what the elite wide receivers are in that same range. I don't like passing on that for somebody who has to bring back equal value or else you're losing a lot. So I get it. I get the leg up at the position, but I still think that if you're smart enough, you know, you look at Darren Waller, you look at Kittle if he's going back in the third round this year, some other options that could step up in the third, fourth, fifth round where you still have a leg up. It's just not Kelsey's leg up. And you don't run that risk of what you've lost on your your investment elsewhere. So again, I understand it. I see it work. I actually have done it in a two tight end league, but that's a different story. In a one tight end league, I just I just won't ever be the person to do it. Okay, who then this year are the mid-round tight ends that you would be looking at if you're going to pass on uh, Kelsey? So I think that's the interesting thing. Is like I would always avoid that second tier because it seems like that's the tier that bombs every single season right. is the fourth, fifth round pick. So I would look at, I like to get guys that, had the excitement, had the hype, and then bounced back for the next season. Um, and then, uh, you know what? I'll even say this. I know we're not talking about him, but I will be somebody who drafts Kyle Pitts as a tight end one. Oh, yeah. I will. It's it's the fact that, you know, we always talk about the tight ends rarely hit, but they have. And they're not always first-rounders that hit, but even Heath Miller back in his rookie season hit as a tight end one that year. That's way back. All we need you to do is get 550 yards and about six or seven touchdowns, and that's the floor to be a tight end one. So I will say I have a lot of pits. I think Ingram's going to get a lot of hate, and deservedly so, for what he did last year. But if the Giants really are going to take off this year and he's going to fall down to Ingram's going to fall down to 8, 9, 10, it'll be somebody like that. I look for the value in coming back off the, the past season. Okay, guys, are you more bullish on the top, on Kelsey at the end of round one and then maybe Waller and Kittle in round two compared to Jake? If it's late I round think, two. Yeah. I think if you're at the back end of the first round and there's, you know, and, you're, and your intent was, I want to come out of my first two picks with a top 10 running back and still one of those guys are sitting there. That's the type of move I think you make. You know, so if you're picking 9, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that range and you see like five or six guys that you just, okay, this guy could be the... The, the top guy of that group or the top guy of that tier, whoever you want to phrase it, then, you know, it's not a bad idea to pair that player with 
Kelsey. I mean, for me, Waller and Kittle are going to be end of the second, early third, depending on format. Yep. So I wouldn't take those guys at that spot. It's it's only Kelsey in the first round. But um, I think Jake said it best. You know, if you're so inclined, like, you know, obviously Chris Towers is bullish on the three tight ends, you know, just uh, somebody who's, you know, on our on our show. So Jake, Chris is saying all three of those guys should be first round picks. Now, clearly, I think most of us disagree with that, but he's going with the philosophy of get a difference maker at that spot. And that's fine. But I think if you're if you're doing that, you're you're kind of, you know, putting yourself in a position of what happens if they don't do it. And, and you, you kind of alluded to that, Jake, with Kelsey. But you think about last year um, and even the year before, you know, what what happened to Zach Ertz, what happened to Kittle with the injuries, you know, and, and you, you factor in Mark Andrews, guys, you know, Andrews, we know what happened to them. If they don't hit, you know, then you're not getting a difference maker. And that's even the worst case scenario. It's not getting a, a late second round value or third round value. You're getting a fifth, sixth, seventh round value and you really hampered your team. But to be fair, that can also happen with running backs as well, where you can take right, a running but, back in late round one, and then that guy doesn't end up performing. He performs like an RB2. But most, most people your in your team. league are taking those running backs early, so you're kind of at the same even playing field. You know, If you're taking those tight ends early and they fail, you know, yeah. then you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage. Right, like if you're really scared there. about that, then you're, you're probably looking at going wide receiver in late round one, and you take somebody like Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill. And you hope like right. hell that they perform like they did last year. And just to Jake's point, last year, Kelsey averaged 20.3 PPR points per game. Hard to believe he's going to do that again. That would have been good for running back four in PPR leagues last year. If he does that again, then he's going to be worth the late first round pick. There's no question about he's it. He's going to be worth an early first round yeah, pick. Yeah, he's an early, ball, so yeah, sure. in early 2018, <laughs> in 2018, rather, not early 2018. This is all 2018, 17.9 PPR points per game. That was good for RB9. That's really also good. You would take that with a late first round. Yeah. So count. why can't he do that again? I mean, he's done well, it two of the last three years. It's just because of what years. happened in 2019, where he still had a really. Mahomes good year, got hurt that year. Yeah, just point four. He did. That's true. You know, it, so if it's as simple as Mahomes staying healthy, then I think you can have the confidence to take Kelsey in late round one. I, and that's my question, right? Because if Kelsey can do what he's done two of the last three years, then I yeah, then he's a first round pick. We're talking. I just looked at the last ten years of PPR scoring. There have been eight instances of a tight end getting 260 fantasy points, scoring 260 fantasy points. He's crushed that two of the last three years. He's been around 300 fantasy points two of the last three years. Last year was 313 points in only 15 games. So 260 points, that's Graham twice, Gronk twice, Kelsey twice, Ertz and Waller. And he's just blown that figure away. He's had two of the best tight end seasons ever in the last three seasons. So following up just real quick, should we be expecting... 2018 Kelsey, which was really, which was incredible, but it was 297 points in 16 games. 2019 Kelsey, which wasn't worth the first round pick that Jake said, as Jake said, um, or 2020 Kelsey, which was the best version, <laughs> played only 15 games and scored 313 PPR fantasy points. Jake, if you were going to bet on on the closest outcome to 18, 19, or 20 Kelsey, what would it be? It would be 2018. Uh, part of the concern, and I know he's not super old yet, but you're talking about a lot of wear on him at this point of his career too, and he's been amazing. And I know that young 30s is not what you know. It's not the 30 running back cliff, but I would say expect the 2018. And if that to you is still worth drafting the first round, and we can get close to 2020, that's what it is. Again, that's the point. Again, to go back, Jamie said it again. It's if he doesn't, if he falls off, even if he gets hurt like Kittle last year. It's so much bigger of a drop that you lost because you also ignored running back early. So it just double hits you. If he stays healthy, plays 16, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is out there every single week, then as Jamie and Dave agreed with, he's a top five pick. Okay. Yeah, and I'm trying to find the stat, and I don't have it, but uh, I did want to look at Travis Kelsey without Sammy Watkins. For what it's worth, targets had did go up for him and, and Tyreek Hill three straight seasons whenever Watkins hasn't played, but I don't have those stats on me right now, so I'll try to get them. Uh, all right, next question. Uh, Jamie, I'm going to let you kick this off. How bullish will you be on this year's rookie wide receiver class? And the way I want to frame it is is even when rookie wide receivers are good, they're, they're not often great. Um, last year was an exception. Though. Last year we had three top 24 rookie wide receivers. Justin Jefferson was right around wide receiver seven. Claypool was around 16th. CeeDee Lamb was about 21st or so. Uh, but we've only had three top 12 rookie wide receivers in the last six seasons. We usually get one top 20 guy. Last year, we had three top 24. And this year's wide receiver class is so exciting and so highly touted, Jamie. How bullish will you be on this year's rookie wide receiver class? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you could also extend it to T. Higgins and Brandon Ayuk, how they performed last year as well. You know, Higgins with a healthy Joe Burrow and, and then Ayuk, you know, missed some time, but his points per game, especially down the stretch, were just amazing. So um, I think you have to look at them as first, we got to figure out their landing spots. So we're talking redraft leagues. And that will determine, you know, what their target share will be, what their quarterback situation will be. You know, all those things have to come into play. But at the same time, you know, I think once you start to get your, you know, I don't know if anybody's drafting Jamar Chase or uh, Smith or Waddle as um, starting fantasy receivers. But if you're going to say that they could be number three receivers, if you love your top two, that's the type of gamble you make. Because as Dave said earlier, the position is so deep that you can get two starters or three starters in three receiver league, and then afford yourself to, you know, get some of these veteran guys or, you know, retread guys that most people are going to say, I don't want them, but they still end up having some relevance for you when we're talking closer to the double digit rounds, because they're going to be available and they're going to be sitting there. So I think if you're looking at them as you want to take a swing for the fence, it's really as a number three receiver. And we're probably talking as early as maybe round six. Jake, what do you think of round six? Is that too early for the rookie wide receivers? The best ones? No, I was legitimately going to say around six or seven. And Jamie stole my other point, too. I was going to bring up Higgins and Ayuk and the fact that they were inside the top 36. So if you look at it, yeah, it's a great class. I was actually surprised going back and looking at the ADP from last year and seeing that the highest was CeeDee Lamb and he was still around the ninth round. And I know some people are going to be sitting at home, not in my league, but that's the average for the ADP and see the guys behind him. And you go down the list and T. Higgins was basically undrafted. Um, you look at... The biggest point being what Jamie just said. I'm going to echo it and repeat it. Landing spot is key. And I'm going to go back to somebody. I don't know if you can see. Oh, I covered up my Michael Thomas jersey because I had baseball up. Uh, but Michael Thomas, when he came out, he wasn't the best receiver in that class on a talent situation. The situation itself where he landed was the fit. That's Justin Jefferson last year. Justin Jefferson wasn't the best two or three wide receivers in the class. The situation helped them tremendously. So if we have Chase Smith and Waddle go to tough situations and all of a sudden we're looking at somebody like Kadarius Tony, and he's going to be a starting slot from day one, something like that could push him in front. But to what Jamie said that if he's your third, fourth wide receiver, draft those guys because they have the potential to finish inside the top 25 in that sixth, seventh round. Don't wait till the ninth if you want to make sure you get them. So, yes, you can be bullish, but smart at the same time. So so just, just to give you an example, Adam, Jamar Chase could go to the Bengals at five with a quarterback he knows and a situation that seems a little bit more appealing. He goes to the Dolphins. That's not as appealing. Now, Tua right. may make him great, and he may be great with Tua. He may get more targets with Tua. But this is where, like, the decision comes in. So, that you know, Chase goes maybe around six with the Bengals, maybe around seven or eight with the Dolphins. You know, that's the type of thing I think that could sway where he ends up just based on – or where, where his fantasy value ends up just based on the, the landing spot of two teams that are looking at. You could also go to the Lions at seventh overall, and that'll you make him worse. You go to the Lions seventh overall, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would that make him worse? Why would that make him worse? No, he's gonna. I mean, he's gonna dominate he's target. Right. Home. Jared Goff is not. Jared Goff is not a complete. He, he might get good volume. Yeah, Jared that Goff is not a completely incapable quarterback. He gives Jared us Goff made Robert Woods and absolutely and because he threw well, like a bunch like of yard passes for those guys. Well, but but three <laughs> years ago during their Super Bowl season, Jared Goff was throwing the ball downfield. He's he became more of a short yardage, a short I don't know short area thrower uh, recently. I, I don't know. People people are so down on Jared Goff. He's capable of making a wide receiver good. I think I mean, he's right. not this capable of This isn't really a Super Jared Bowl. Goff is good or bad question. This is Jared Goff. <laughs> right. Or hurt right. Jamar Chase, fantasy-wise. Um, well, I mean, you can look at the opportunity to throw Smith or Waddle on the Eagles, potentially, and you, you were, were looking for a deep, amazing threat on that team, and Hurts now being the full-time quarterback. And I mean, you go back to, I think this is, that's a good comparison also to bring into this, is Jalen Rager. I'm going to have a lot of Jalen Rager because everybody hates the guy yeah. after not doing much in his rookie season. So remember, the Ragers, the Henry Ruggs of the world, can be that's the, the floor is that just everything goes wrong never, nothing ever hits and that's why a sixth seventh jerry rounder judy. makes sense jerry judy there's another yeah, great yeah. one uh and i just want to point out i talked about this on fft and five wide receivers rookie wide receivers it's almost a guarantee they're going to get off to a slow start justin jefferson had a 1400 yard season one of the best rookie seasons ever he had 70 yards on six targets in his first two games so i think adding a 17th game it's not a huge deal but it maybe softens the blow a little bit if you draft a rookie wide receiver and he gets off to a slow start. Well, you've got an extra week where maybe he's performing like a stud later in the year. So I, I think that might make me a little bit more bullish on them. Um, 
going. Well, Dave uh, going said too the, the depth. If if you take yeah. one in the sixth or seventh round, the wide receiver that if you pass over and take a rookie, the wide receiver sitting there that's the veteran, you're probably still going to find that same type and level of veteran two rounds later because how deep the position is. Okay. By the way, since everybody's just dying to know, 2018, Travis Kelsey, seven games without Sammy Watkins, on pace for for 1,360 yards. 119 catches, 162 targets. Last year, five games without Watkins, not including Week 17 when Holmes didn't play. On pace for nearly 1,600 yards, 141 targets, 13 touchdowns. So he and and uh, Tyreek Hill, huge bumps without Watkins. Look out, Mark Andrews. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see. What's next here? Um, backup quarterback strategy. Backup quarterback strategy. Dave, why don't you kick it off? Do you have... A backup quarterback strategy. I want this many quarterbacks. If I draft a top whatever, I don't want a backup quarterback. What do you got? Question because every year the guy. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Yeah. Oh, man. He's not allowed to talk about quarterbacks anymore. <laughs> Why? What happened? I'm out again. Yeah. <laughs> You're the glitchy quarterback guy. I'm the glitchy quarterback. Let's talk about kickers instead. Uh, we'll try it again. He's Dave. Mitch Trubisky. Jake becomes the glitchy quarter, glitchy guy. <laughs> yeah. All right, so last year, Aaron Rodgers was the MVP. <laughs> Is it going out again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Dave, how many quarterbacks do you want on your roster? Sign language? Usually one. Okay. Uh, Jamie, how many quarterbacks do you want Man, on your roster? I had a good point, too. This sucks. All right, try again. Last time. Last time. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not even going to bother because it's definitely going to go out. No, it's perfect just, now. Just text, text us and we'll read it for you. Um <laughs> I think, you know, like I told you on FFT and 5, Adam, you know, if we have deep rosters, it's not a bad idea. If you have a league with deeper rosters, it's not a bad idea to carry multiple quarterbacks. Not necessarily just because you want to have a backup to play uh, that like, clearly helps if the matchup's right, but, you know, it could be trade bait. Or, you know, as we have seen, you know, sometimes guys get hot at the right time and you can, you know, sort of uh, change if, you're, if your guy or, you know, swap it out if your guy is not putting up good numbers. But, you know, the, the type of number two quarterbacks that I'm going to draft, if I do, if I'm so inclined to do so, it's going to be one of the, whoever the Saints guy is, you know, because I think that has a high, that, that player is going to have a high ceiling. It's going to be, you know, if Tua does get Jalen Smith, uh, Jamar, excuse me, James, Jamar Chase or, um, uh, or Kyle Pitts, you know, and, and, and hopefully he, you know, benefits from just an additional uh, target that, that could play at that level. You know, uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, depending on what the, the draft, unfolds the fantasy draft unfolds for him you know those type of guys um especially if i take uh um you know jalen smith or, or somebody or jalen hurt what am i jalen smith if i take a jalen hurts or um uh jamie you know, your internet's cutting out who's someone unproven <laughs> and has a chance to you know uh maybe fail okay uh jake what do you got fantasy philosophy on quarterbacks backups yeah i think that the thing with the fantasy community is easy to be like oh don't even draft a second quarterback you can find them all the time but you look at your most average leagues and that's not talking down to me i'm just talking about that's the majority average leagues a majority of leagues out there a lot at least half the league is drafting a second quarterback so to say that i'm more on the jamie side is ideally sure i would like to get Mahomes or Dak or and just say I'm good I don't need to worry about a second quarterback because I don't want to have the decision if the guy breaks out but I think there's just more value in most leagues where a potential trade chip or that breakout or maybe something goes wrong with your lead guy and the breakout's the better option but that's the key is that I'm always going to draft a breakout I'm not drafting Kirk Cousins as my second quarterback I'm drafting one of the rookies potentially you know nobody expected Herbert to do what he did I'm bound you know banking on you know what? Maybe this is the year Baker finally clicks for the entire season. Maybe Daniel Jones bounces back in the excitement for Daniel Jones from last year, who was be drafted as a fringe QB one, by the way. Maybe he does it this year. So those are the ones. I don't want the you know uh, uh, the average quarterback getting sixteen points a week. That's not ever going to be my backup quarterback. You'll you'll find that guy on the waiver wire. You know that's the that's the thing. Right. It's, you know it, it's also like to Jake's point. You know you have to know your league. If everybody in your league is taking two quarterbacks, you could either follow suit and take the breakout guy and just sit on him. And hopefully that becomes, you know, the, the, the league winning type of quarterback for you, or you just avoid it and don't take the Kirk cousins or, you know, like Adam's going to take a lot of Jared Goff, obviously no. um, you don't have to necessarily <laughs> go that route. No, no, but those guys will be available to you. You know, you want to take somebody who 
just keep the, 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 the phrase in mind, difference maker. Who's a difference maker? Who could be somebody that eventually becomes Justin Herbert or that type of quarterback down the road? And that's the type of player that you sit on and hopefully he becomes that middle to the end of the year. I just get kind of annoyed when people give me hard, people at my colleagues give me a hard time for taking. Sometimes I'll take three quarterbacks instead of some some nothing wide receiver that has almost no chance. Like, well, why didn't you take this guy? Because because he's not he's no chance. He's you look no at chance. the quarterback as more of a blue chip prospect. Yeah, right. right. That's and, how you have to look at your second QB. Well, yeah, a second, and if I have enough but then you spots, you get to bye weeks or injuries, and you're dropping that guy. Probably dropping him, but you're probably dropping that whoever you're taking. Then anyway, you know, probably dropping him. Um, so yeah, I I went, I looked at this is kind of interesting. I was I was disappointed in the outcome of this research because I wanted quarterbacks to win, and they didn't. But I looked at in the past <laughs> three seasons, um, players picked in rounds ten or later, according to Fantasy Football Calculator PPR ADP, round ten or later. How many quarterbacks or tight ends finished top six? And I just ran. I mean, look, this is totally arbitrary. I made my own numbers, but how many running backs, wide receivers, hey, stats. Yeah, finished top eighteen? So a top eighteen running back or wide receiver, a top six quarterback or tight end. Which position do you think had the most picks in rounds ten or later that finished in the top six at, at quarterback or tight end, or top eighteen at running back or wide receiver? You told running us all the quarterbacks. I wasn't quarterback. <laughs> I'm running, running back. Running back. Running back. Dave, what do you think? I didn't pay attention to a word you just said, so <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. I can't put in a guess here. I'll say wide receiver. Just you're wrong. All right. In the last I'm three shocked. seasons, players drafted in round ten or later that finished top six at quarterback or tight end or top eighteen at running back or wide receiver. There were five quarterbacks. There were seven running backs. There were five wide receivers, and there were nine. Tight ends, three oh, per yeah. year. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, Kittle, Ebron, Cook, and Hooper in 2018. Waller and Andrews in 2019. Tunyon, Logan Thomas, and Hawkinson in 2020. Uh, they all finished top six. That's wild. I was a little annoyed because at quarterback, you think, oh, how about Lamar Jackson in 2019? Jameis Winston, 2019. They were actually round nine picks, so they didn't quite make the cut. Um and Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers were round eight and nine picks, so they didn't make the cut in 2020. But in our leagues, you know, Aaron Rodgers was definitely <laughs> round 10 or later. But, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, quarterbacks, five. Running backs, seven. Wide receivers, five. Tight ends, nine. But How did those guys do with Sammy Watkins? <laughs> but <laughs> here's what I'll say. For the, for the wide receivers and the running backs, you don't get – even the ones that made that cut of top 18 – you don't get this kind of impact that you get from the quarterbacks and the tight ends. You get guys like J.D. McKissick and Mike Davis. And James Robinson is probably the best example. Naheem Hines made this list. Um, James Conner, great example. Philip Lindsay. Nick Chubb, you know, once they got rid of Carlos Hyde in 2018. But uh, the quarterbacks could be just total league winners in that, that late in the draft, so... I'm probably going to take more backup quarterbacks than anyone, but uh, it depends on roster spots. Okay, uh, we have one more question here, and I'm going to give you all 10 seconds to answer it, and then we'll move on. When is it acceptable to draft a DST? Uh, let's start with our guest, Jake. DST. Uh, final round. Just look for the best week one matchup and move on from there. <laughs> okay, Dave? Dave? Make an exception for the second to last pick. <laughs> second, that's fine. That's all we, we got, what we needed. Jamie? <laughs> Uh, the last round of the second to last round, depending on if you have kickers. Okay, you guys are crazy. <laughs> just, just, just crazy. But okay, phrases that people screw up. Jamie, did you think of any? I looked it up as I was walking upstairs before the show. You looked up my my Twitter feed. <laughs> no, I looked up phrases that people screw up. Okay, what'd you find? <laughs> I found. Um, uh, people say I could care less. Yes, it's, I oh. couldn't care less. <laughs> Big one. Yep. Uh, for all intensive purposes. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. uh, could have, should have, could have, should have. Not could have, should have. Okay. Yeah. Uh, by purpose, on accident. It's on purpose, by accident. Who says by purpose? I don't know. And a favorite of uh, Heath Cummings, nipped it in the butt. <laughs> he says that it's nipped in the bud. 
<laughs> also on Twitter, uh, irregardless. People say irregardless. Just say regardless. Uh, it, uh, can we talk about the fact that the English or whatever, whoever makes the dictionary got so tired of it that just they threw it in the dictionary? Irregardless? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They just are like, fine. <laughs> Whatever, have you it your way. By the way, I'm so mad Jamie said that one until I'll admit it. Until about three or four years ago, I thought it was intensive. I, I got that one wrong. I didn't know it was intense and purposeless. Yeah. Yeah, there's everybody one. says it. Oh, oh, I, I didn't know that it's it's worse comes to worst. Right? If worse comes to worst. I think I used to say worst comes to worst. Worst comes to worst. It's yeah. worse comes to worst. Yes. Yeah. And uh, somebody, Ryan Dugan, said there's a phrase people say, Adam Azer is awesome. And he thinks that is, <laughs> that is wrong. Definitely wrong. Yeah. And chomping at the bit, it is actually champing at the bit. But that's another one where it's people, it really? people said it. I think it, you yeah. pronounce it the same way. It's just spelled differently. No, it's champing. Horses champ. It's a, it's a horse racing term. Uh, but people, it's been said so wrong for so long, like irregardless, that it's just. It well, that's the other thing coming. It's actually, it's, you have another think coming. Really? Yes, yeah, that's on supposed to be another thing coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see? You're this <laughs> many days know. old. <laughs> yeah. There's there's like a few that are like more spelling than they are. Like this one, for example, that I found, sleight of hand. It's like S L E S L E I G H. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's just dumb. I refuse to And this one is probably we all butcher. One in the same is really one and the same. One and the same. Oh, yeah, I guess Can we talk about sense. the sports world and the fact that complimentary and complimentary are different when you're talking about mm. a oh, complimentary back? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, good stuff. Dave had some good suggestions, too, but he was just cutting out the whole time. So. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break here on Fantasy Football today. we got some news and notes and your emails when we come back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. We are back with Jake Seeley here, and there are just a few things I have to promote real quick. Make sure you're watching CBS Sports HQ. It's a big week on CBS Sports HQ. We kick off uh, each morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. It's 24-7, but we got all the new stuff for you. 8 a.m. Eastern. HQ is always your home ahead of the evening's action with live picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world each day at 6 p.m. Eastern. But look, we're getting closer to the NFL draft, so make sure you're leaving HQ on all day for the latest NFL news, rumors, and mock drafts. Check out HQ on your computer. CBSSports.com or on the CBS Sports app on your mobile phone or your TV. It's always free and it's always on. And we've got a lot of great podcasts. If you go to CBSSports.com slash podcasts, you can see our full list. David Sampson hosts Nothing Personal. He's a World Series winning executive. He ran a Major League Baseball team for 18 years and he's really funny and he's great. Uh, I've done a lot of shows with, with uh, David Sampson awesome personality and has a great podcast. So he's got a daily show dedicated to giving you the truth about sports, business, and entertainment. Step inside the front office and really get to know sports. Nothing personal with David Sampson is available every weekday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, it's just business. It's nothing personal. So Pittsburgh is leaning toward drafting a running back in the first round. We saw that report come out over the weekend. Jake, if they draft, you can pick Harris, ETN, whoever you want. Oh, give me a round where you take them in fantasy. I'll take them on the turn, first, second. And you tell me, Harris, it's funny, I was just talking about this with a buddy last night at a birthday party. I said, I could see them taking Harris. And if Harris is there, 
I would put him, and I went down my rankings and ran through my running backs, and I stopped at 10. He'd be RB10 if it's mm-hmm. Najee Harris on the Steelers. He's that good. Uh, ETN, probably a little bit behind that, just because I think they spell him a little bit more, given his ability, but I still think he's great. Uh, but both of those running backs would be fringe RB1s for ETN. Harris locked into the RB1 conversation, so you tell me at the turn. Uh, just put it in the situation of, look where James Robinson, if we knew what he was going to do, and he did last year, he would have been taken at the turn around one. Offensive line makes me nervous there, and that's I, I, understandable. It's and, not the it's not the worst worst though. No, but it's bottom half. Mm. That's not a quarterback. <laughs> you put that. <laughs> it was we got enough there. Did you? Yeah, we did. It was bottom half, and then uh, bottom, bottom quarter. Okay. Yeah, well, thank you for filling in the blank there. Um, our William Hill odds for the third pick. All right, we don't know who the third pick's going to be. We're pretty sure we know who the first two picks are going to be. San Francisco on the clock. William Hill odds are Justin Fields, minus 140. Mac Jones, plus 130. Trey Lance was plus 400. Now he's up to plus 200. Jamie, which uh, bet would you make? Fields, minus 140. Mac Jones, plus 130. Trey Lance, plus 200. Well, uh, today's Trey Lance day, so it's going to be, you know, the rumors are going to be it's all about Trey Lance, who's uh, apparently getting his workout run by the 49ers. So I would right now put my money on Trey Lance, but I think it's going to be Justin Fields. All right. Colts wide receiver Zach Paschal signed his second round tender. The Falcons signed Cordaro Patterson and waived Ito Smith. Dave, you there? They deemed him a a running back. Does this matter to you? Is this fantasy relevant? Not yet. If they go through the whole draft without adding another running back, then maybe. But I'd be stunned if they did that. That's where I want a running back to go. That's where I want Najee Harris to go. Atlanta. Seattle yeah. signed defensive end Alden Smith. Chicago signed wide receiver Marquise Goodwin to a one-year deal. The Cardinals signed linebacker Dennis Gardeck, who is a really good story for them and had a really nice year. Cleveland released Sheldon Richardson. I've been raving about their defense. Well, they have now lost both of their starting defensive tackles from 2020. Larry Ogunjobi and uh, Sheldon Richardson. They saved a lot of money in doing it, but it's not not a good thing. And Jake, Melvin Gordon said he is sick of being overlooked. And what kind of workload are you expecting for Melvin Gordon as of right now before the NFL draft? What are you thinking about Melvin Gordon? I say pretty similar to what we saw last year with even with Philip Lindsay being hurt or when he was out there, uh, Melvin Gordon was pretty steady. But I think at the point of what we know about Melvin Gordon is part of the reason he's overlooked is because he's above average. He's not amazing. And if you look at the numbers, if you watch him play, he should be better between the tackles. He's really good. He's just not amazing. So I would put him in the same conversation, same workload as we saw last year. And whatever that stands out to be, it's an RB2. It's a solid RB2, but it's kind of an uninspiring right. RB2, honestly. Okay. We've got to read some emails. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. By the way, that's the letter I, not E-Y-E. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Phrase that people get wrong all the time. All right, 12-team, three-wide receiver, non-superflex league, full PPR, uh, redraft la- league voted last year to allow us to keep two players, but it will cost us the amount we paid for them at our salary draft, and we can only opt to keep each player for a maximum of two seasons. $100 salary, and who should I keep? Which two should I keep? Hayden Hurst for seven. I say no. George Kittle for 14. It's PPR, guys. Uh, Kamara for 28. AJ Brown for 10. And Keenan Allen for four. And I'm going to go ahead and forward these emails to you, Jake, because I know it's a lot to not be ha- not have it in front of you. So give me a moment. No, I'll- I got it. I got my two answers. All right, go ahead. Kittle, 14. Kamara, 28. AJ Brown, at 10. Keenan Allen for four. What are your two? I, I was originally going to have Kittle in there, but when you said AJ Brown for in a $200 league, which would still be you know a super discount at 20, and then you throw in Keenan Allen at four, uh, both of them top 10 wide receivers. Volume is back for Keenan Allen again with Herbert. And I'm, to go back to AJ Brown, I, I actually think AJ Brown is going to hit the top five this year now that Corey Davis is gone and John. And I know they'll probably add somebody still through the draft, but that volume, are you talking about? A hun- Can I get 130 targets for AJ Brown? Top five. All right, Allen Brown. Both those receivers for the same price as Kittle. Right. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Okay, good. Adam from an Olympic city north of the border, Dave. 
Uh, an Olympic city. Where did they have the Olympics? Is it Toronto? No. Montreal is where they have Out west. No, Vancouver. Okay. Vancouver, right? Uh, I wouldn't have got that either. I don't know my Canadian (laughs) trivia. I'm pretty sure. uh, (laughs) Olympic trivia. Schrager, look it up. Look it up. Um, A half PPR. Yeah, it was 2010. Yeah. Vancouver, right? That was like 10 years ago. It was like 11 years ago. Okay, half PPR, one quarterback dynasty league. I have no picks in our rookie free agent draft until the fourth round, and I don't have my first next year either. I sold out to win it all last year, and I finished third. I feel like I have a strong Mm. team, but I also feel like last year was my best chance at a championship as Adams, Hill, and James Robinson are due to regress. Should I flip Devontae Adams or someone else for the 101 and other firsts or assets, or stay the course. Uh, Jamie, what do you think? Devontae Adams, would you give him up for 101 and, and some other assets, or would you keep him? I mean, it's hard not knowing what the rest of his roster is, you know, to determine fully how good his team is. Uh-huh. But, you know, if, if you're starting with your top three players being Adams, Hill, and Robinson, that's a pretty good place to start. Well, hold on. I'll tell you. He's got Wilson. He's got mm-hmm. Taylor Swift, James Robinson. Yeah. Damian Harris. He's got... He's got Taylor and Swift. He's got A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, he's got a good team. Yeah, I'm probably not. I, I'd probably try and run it back if you can, you know, uh, or maybe make a a smaller move to try and, you know, see what you can get into the second round if you can. But, I mean, you have A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, and Devontae Adams, and then those three young running backs. It's like, what? What do you? why would you try and, you know, break that up? You still have a team that's going to win now, has a chance to win now, and a chance to win in the next two or three years as well. I would see what the other considerations are with 101, though. If someone's going to overpay for Adams and it just seems like it's an obvious overpay, then your team will get even younger and you can absorb that yeah, loss absolutely. of Devonta absolutely. Adams for a but year. I don't think you have to, you have, it's not a, a need trade. Agreed. A luxury right. trade. The other Final assets bait. have to be equitable to a first as well. Like it's not one first is not enough for Adams. Okay. Vancouver in 2010, Calgary in 1988. <laughs> Montreal in 1976, oh, okay. and the Montreal logo yeah. looks like a middle finger. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. He probably meant the 1976 games. That is totally my bad. I forgot about that logo. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I've got to Google image this. This is from Kevin in a city in Connecticut, Dave. Stanford. Yeah. Hey, George, Thomas, Teddy, and Abe. I think those from the 85 Bears. 10-team Dynasty Superflex League, half PPR. I am being offered Daniel Jones and Miles Gaskin. This is Superflex League. Daniel Jones and Miles Gaskin for Darnold Schwarzenegger and Miles Sanders. Would you guys rather have Daniel Jones and Gaskin or Sam Darnold and Miles Sanders? Darnold and Sanders. Just for Sanders. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's, it's a, for all intents and purposes, <laughs> I think we're looking at the. This is probably Daniel Jones for Darnold and Sanders. That's really what it comes because I think everybody's expecting that. Like, even if Gaskin's the lead from day one, I'm expecting them to draft somebody, and he won't be the lead by the middle of the season. It's just strange though, because Gaskin was pretty good for them. He was, yeah, what but it, and I, I'm a Gaskin guy. I just mm-hmm. feel like he's he was the all right. We got more than we expected. He's still not our answer, kind of feel. Yeah, but this running back class, how many running backs are really that good? I don't think it's a very deep class. So if they don't I think they if they don't take a running back in the first or second round, are they going to take somebody who's actually going to be able to replace Miles Gaskin? I think so. I think you look at both UNC kids. I think both of them were better than Gaskin. I think you can make a case for Herbert from Virginia Tech, and I think you could even say Sermon from Ohio State. I think all four of them, if they got, uh, they're probably going to be day two, maybe even day three running backs in the third round. But any of those, again, probably don't step in as the lead from day one. But you tell me, talent comparison wise, I would take all four of those. Okay. Uh, From Ed, a lot depends on the NFL draft, but in a non PPR league with three keepers, which two of the three would you keep? Non PPR: Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Austin Eckler. Sanders, Edwards-Helaire, Eckler. Pick two. Eckler mm. and Sanders. I agree. Even a non PPR, I agree. I mean, that's just the first two I would take in a non PPR. Yeah. Okay. From Bobby, ten-team PPR keeper league. I can keep Dalvin Cook for one more year in the third round. Nice. I also get to choose first where I want to pick in the draft. Should I go one and take McCaffrey or Kamara? Or should I pick 
10, it's 10-team PPR league, and still get a good running back and a great wide receiver. Uh, or One. two wide receivers. So if you One. knew you were getting Dalvin Cook in the third round, would you take the first pick or the 10th pick? It's a 10-team league, so what you get in round two and round three is still going to be amazing. So, so take yeah. one overall. Yeah, yeah take one overall. Especially to, to Jamie, yeah, what's going to be great, but also, even though they're great, think about the drop-off at the end of the second round for running back versus wide receiver. It's a lot bigger drop-off to Christian McCaffrey to whoever's there than you will see at wide receiver. All right, Jake, so we're done with the show. What do you want to... Uh... We'll talk about candy or kickers or anything <laughs> like that. Jake Jake says he doesn't favor peanut butter candy, but three of his top five candies, I believe, had peanut butter in them. So I don't know. Okay, so out of the top five, well, one of them technically is a redundancy because I had to separate the difference between Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the holiday edition, and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the actual peanut butter cups, because the holiday editions are the good ones. All of them, especially the eggs. The holiday no, I'll tell nerds gummy clusters. This has been my campaign. They should send me free ones because I've been telling everybody about them. And actually, who was it? I think it was Mina Kimes even tried them and tweeted about them and how amazing they were. Somebody did. Nerds gummy clusters. There's your candy list thing you need to try. Okay, I'm I'm very interested in this. Nerds gummy clusters. They're they're actually super hard to find for a while because they're they're flying off the shelves, man. (laughs) And where did you have take five on your list? (laughs) Uh, I think it was somewhere around the teens, 14, 15. Okay, Are you that's looking ridiculous. at the list? No, I'm not. But Take 5 basically combined every good candy into one awesome thing. It's, ba- it's basically the candy bar to end it's, all candies. Uh, you you got to be in the mood for a Take 5. I love them. I think they're underrated, but you got to be in the mood for it. Like <laughs> Sometimes you're just not in the mood for pretzel and nougat and peanuts and caramel. <laughs> like Sometimes you just want simple. Nerds gummy clusters, you can get them for two fifty on Walmart, or it looks like thirty dollars on Amazon. Thirty two dollars because they're sold on, on Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> Dear God, uh, Jake, thanks for coming on, man. Tell us how we can find you and what you're up to these days. Yeah, over at the Athletic, uh, my top eighty five skill position players for the NFL draft pre draft is up there, and I'll be covering them again and see what we talked about on the show, the landing spots, and how that affected afterwards. At All and Kid, you said it. That's the easiest way. I tweet too much, and people probably end up muting me anyway. So. <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, Jake Seely at All in Kid. Do not mute him. Just follow him. Dave Richard, Jamie Eisenberg, Ben Schrager. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll come back tomorrow with another edition of Fantasy Football Today. See ya. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.